You're listening to sermons from Redeemer Church in Round Rock, Texas. Redeemer is a gospel-centered, missional family learning and living the way of Jesus in the suburbs of Austin. Good morning. Glad you're here this morning. Um, I want to welcome you if you're a guest with us this morning. My name is Jordan. I'm one of our pastors here at Redeemer, and I'm so uh, glad that you're here as we continue in our study of the Gospel of Mark. Before we jump back into the text, there are a few things I wanted just to share with you. There are so many encouraging things that are happening right now through this church. Um, uh, Redeemer Hutto, one of our most recent church plants, is having their very first uh, public worship gathering this morning. Joe and Jonathan, yeah, yeah, good. Uh, Joe and Jonathan sent me some pictures this morning of their setup team doing all the portable church stuff in the YMCA, and so that is so, it was just so cool for me to see pictures of some of those people who've been with us and that we commissioned just a couple months ago. Uh, they're all serving and just to think of, of a new church taking shape um, in our community next door. Uh, Redeemer Georgetown is continuing to gather as well and ramp up for their public launch, which is so exciting. Um, I, I want to tell you another thing that's, um, that just we want to celebrate and give God thanks. Many of you know that an email went out last week saying that we had the opportunity to help with some refugee relief in um, in Romania, uh, due to the war in Ukraine, there are just uh, thousands of refugees every day that are going moving across the border. And as we continue to pray for what's happening in Ukraine, for peace to 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 um, to take place there, for the war to cease, um, we want to also uh, try and help and serve the best that we can from being people far away. And so we have a a partnership in Romania, a, a church planning partnership that we've been connected to for many years. There's a pastor there named Erwin. They're 60 miles from the from the Ukrainian border. And their church reached out to us and just said, hey, uh, we are doing everything we can to help these refugees. We're trying to put people in hotels. We're trying to find housing and give uh, food and shelter and, and clothing to these people that are in need. And so we put a, an email out and said, hey, we want to raise money that we could send over to Irwin to help their church. Um, and, uh, and just within one week, the generosity from this church, we were able to send $18,000 last week to, to help. And so... Um, God is just doing so many things through the life of this church, through your generosity. The living Jesus is working in our gospel communities. Uh, people are being trained and learning right now to share their story, share their testimony with their friends and family members who are far from Jesus. So there are so many big things that we just I just want to celebrate. I'm going to pray in a moment and just thank God for what he's doing. I also know that God is working in dozens of small little ways. He's sustaining us day by day, that Jesus is risen, that Jesus is reigning. He's with us by his spirit. And what an honor and privilege it is to get to gather today and worship him and open his word together. And so let me pray and give God thanks, and then we will turn our attention back to Mark chapter 1 today. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we, we honor you. We lift high your name today, and we do sing and declare hallelujah. Praise the risen one, the one who has done the unthinkable for us. God, that you came near to us through your son Jesus. You have dealt with our sin in every way. You have cleansed us from all unrighteousness. God, you've poured out your grace upon us and we access it all by faith in you. And so we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for how you're with us even here in the moment in this room. We thank you for how you've been working through our church in big and small ways. We give you all honor and all glory. We pray for our latest church plants as they gather today, that you'd be in their midst, that you would be with the people of Redeemer Hutto, and that you would lift them up and encourage them as they make much of your name. 
and that you would use them in Hutto to reach more people. We pray for Redeemer Georgetown as they are gathering today as a core team and they're preparing to, to launch their church um, in, in the weeks ahead. Jesus, we pray the same for them. We do pray for our brothers and sisters in Romania that are caring for uh, these many, many refugees that are just hurting and struggling and confused and disoriented and suffering. And we pray that you would even let the the dollars that we sent over, that they would be a tangible presence of your love to clothe and to feed and to shelter those who were struggling. We pray that you would continue to release the generosity of your people to meet the needs in the midst of this war crisis that is happening. We pray, God, that as we open your word today, that you would, that you would root us in reality. That you would remind us that you are King of kings, that you are Lord of lords, that you would speak to us through your word, Lord. We Humble ourselves before you, and we pray that you would move in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are now seven weeks into our study of the Gospel of Mark, and a lot has happened so far as we've been kind of slowly making our way through Mark's Gospel. Mark's telling of Jesus moves rather quickly. You've probably noticed that by now. He likes the word immediately and uses it often. Um, so far, what we've seen is that Mark is, is most interested in giving us Jesus' essential actions. He wants us to see who Jesus truly is based on what Jesus has done. That's Mark's purpose. To, to say it maybe a bit differently, Mark wants to rid us of indifference toward Jesus. There are a lot of people who are maybe casual about Jesus. They're not necessarily for him, not really maybe against him. They're indifferent. And Mark's gospel was written to rid us of that indifference. He says, see who Jesus truly is. And once you see who he is, you can't remain indifferent about him. Mark has been with every scene, kind of like a, a layers to an onion, uh, showing us more and more and more clearly who it is that Jesus is. And today's scene is going to reveal to us yet again, not only the power and authority of Jesus, but it's going to show us Jesus's heart. Our scene today is going to show us Jesus's heart towards suffering and stained people. In fact, in verse 39, if you want to look back at the text, chapter 1, verse 39, Mark wants us to know that Jesus has had a clear plan in his ministry, that he's moving throughout the regions, that he's declaring and displaying the inbreaking of God's kingdom, that God's rule and reign has come to earth, that God is here, God is doing something, God is on the move in this world of sin and death. He's, Jesus has been telling this good news, Jesus has been demonstrating it, particularly he's really into casting out demons in the synagogues right now, the verse tells us, and people are astonished. People are amazed at the authority he teaches with and the works that he is doing. But there is nothing more astonishing and amazing, even provocative, than what happens in verse 40. Verse 40 is meant to shock us. The text tells us that a leper came to him. A leper came to him. Now we need to understand leprosy. Leprosy was a widespread skin disease that was highly contagious and that was impossible to medically cure. Having leprosy was not just living with a disease, it was living with a life sentence. It's one of the things that we need to understand about leprosy. In fact, Leviticus chapters 13 and 14, you can flip over there if you want, if you just want to familiarize yourself with it. It's worth reading later, actually. Leviticus 13 and 14, which is a very well-known part of Israel's law, 
Um, it, it was written to keep the stain of leprosy out of God's holy people. These two chapters read, in many ways, like an ancient manual on preventing the spread of infectious disease. And we know a little bit about that uh, recently, haven't we? There are detailed instructions. There are instructions that anyone with leprosy is to wear torn clothes. Anyone with leprosy is to not clean or comb their hair. They need to keep the appearance of uncleanliness so that people will know that they have the disease. They were to cover the lower parts of their faces. I'll let you decide what that means about whether masks are biblical or not. They were to cover the lower parts of their faces. They were to cry out, unclean, unclean, anywhere that they went. They were forced to live alone, to live outside of the city. And in the event that a leper came into the city, they were to remain 50 feet, according to the law. They were to remain 50 feet from any other people or gathering spaces. And so I'll let you decide what you think, whether social distancing is biblical or not. I want you to think about this life of a leper. Think about this. It's not just living with a disease, it's living with a life sentence. In fact, later on, some Jewish teachers started to teach that leprosy was a result of a person's sin. Particularly, they were teaching that it was related to the sin of gossip. That if one were to gossip and slander, that, that that is the reason that they would contract this disease because of your sinfulness. And so it's not only to be a sufferer of a sickness or an illness, but to be an utmost sinner was the way that lepers were viewed in Jesus' day. They were not just sufferers in society, but they were sinful outcasts. See, this disease, it robbed a person of not only their health, but of their name, of their occupation, of their family, of any form of human fellowship and connection. They were the utmost ignored, shamed, marginalized people in Jesus' day. Now, with this in mind, I want to take us back to verse 40. Let's read it again. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. I want you just to imagine this scene for a minute. Let your imagination just kind of try and take this in the best that you can. I mean, at this point in Jesus's ministry, the text, Mark has already told us that there's sizable crowds that are following Jesus, that his fame is growing. People know who he is, and he has a pretty impressive reputation at this point. People are seeking after him. I want you to imagine just the shock, if not out, uh, downright outrage, that would have taken place as people see this leper breaking all the rules and all the customs to come near to Jesus. I want you to think about this. This man literally risks everything in approaching Jesus. He risks law, he risks custom, he risks his life at the chance of being healed, at the chance of being healed and redeemed by Jesus. What holy desperation this man possesses. What holy boldness that this man possesses. And I don't want you to confuse this with pushiness, okay? We all know pushy people, right? Um, people who are always kind of pushing their agendas and their interests on you when you know, they, they lack self-awareness and they just kind of butt in in the midst and make their issue your issue all the time. You know what I'm talking about? You know people like that, okay? Yes, you do. You can, it's okay. You, that's real. That happens. Some of you, maybe you're not. Never mind. I was going to say some of you are that person. Um, 
but that's okay. We all are that person sometime. This man is not about pushiness. This is not what he's doing. There is a purity and a humility to the boldness of this man as he approaches Jesus. A man stained on the outside is the picture of purity of heart. And we see it both in his actions and in his words. He hits his knees before Jesus. He implores Jesus. The word therefore implore is the Greek word parakaleo, which is translated in other parts of the Bible as to cry out or to call out to God. He knows who Jesus is. This is a humble, desperate confession of faith. Jesus, you are the Christ. And he doesn't ask him, he doesn't say, can you save me? He knows that Jesus can. What does he say? He says, if you are willing. He says, if it be your will, God, will you? And it's this sincerity of heart, this purity of faith, this humble desperation from this suffering man that triggers the compassionate heart of God. And I want you to hear me for a second. This is the first thing that this text teaches us this morning, is that God will not ignore the sincere, humble cries of sinners and sufferers who come to him. I'm going to say that again. God will not, he cannot ignore the sincere, humble, desperate cries of faith of sinners and sufferers who come to him. You see, this leper has something to teach you and me this morning. How many of you have experienced sufferings? How many of you have experienced setbacks, trials, sickness, diagnosis, hardship in your life? How many, how many of you? Just raise your hand. This is important. How many of you have suffered? Yeah, almost all of us. And if you haven't yet experienced what, you, what we would call suffering, you will. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. You know, we don't know much about this man's story, but we, what we do know, just based upon our own human experience as sinners living in a fallen world, is that life in this world can break you into a thousand pieces sometimes. Amen? A life that once felt so stable can suddenly be ravaged by war. I mean, we're seeing this in Ukraine, aren't we, right now? We're seeing how just evil is ripping apart people's lives that before were just normal, steady, secure, secure lives, now ripped apart suddenly by evil. Or a job that once felt so secure can suddenly, all of a sudden, uh, be in jeopardy, and then your life can feel shaky. You can feel disoriented in a moment. A body that once felt healthy and limitless can, in a moment, be struck with disease or a diagnosis. A life that felt happy and optimistic can all of a sudden, like everything for you is going kind of up and to the right, and then all of a sudden you can be blindsided by betrayal or failure or disappointment or disaster. You see, we're all sinners living in a fallen world. None of us are immune to suffering in this life. Many of you have lived through it. Perhaps some of you are in the midst of it right now. And this leper has something to teach us as fellow sinners and sufferers. That though life can break you into a thousand pieces, God in his infinite care and his compassionate kindness can put you back together when you come boldly, desperately, dependently in faith before him. 
And I just want to ask you before we move any further, do you believe that you can come to God with such holy boldness? Do you? Do you believe that? Do you cry out? Do you call out to God with this kind of holy desperation in your life? Or do you believe that you ought not approach him? Do you believe that perhaps he's maybe got more important things to deal with than being interrupted by you? You see, this man, this leper, has something to teach us about Jesus. And it's that Jesus is accessible. That for all of his glory and all of his holiness and all of his power and all of his authority and might, he, Jesus Christ, is the most accessible person who has ever lived. And I just want to say to you this morning that God, you need to be reminded that God is compassionate and God is caring and God invites you to come to him with all of your weariness and all of your burdens and all of your anxieties and fears that you can turn to him in the midst of your day of suffering, your day of struggle, and that you don't in any way need to clean yourself up first. In fact, I want you to hear me for a minute. If this text teaches us anything, it is that your neediness is what Jesus is drawn to. In a room this morning, if God's Spirit is going to come down and minister to us this morning, it won't be because of our put-togetherness as we come here and worship Him. It is because of our admission of our deepest neediness. It's your neediness that He is drawn to. It's not your performance. It's not your pretending. It's not your buttoned-up spirituality. It's not your hard work and self-discipline that releases his mercy and compassion and transformative grace into your life. It's your admission of your brokenness and your neediness that unleashes his compassion and his mercy. Mark wants us to see the real Jesus. In fact, we see this in verse 41. Look back at the text. Verse 41 and 42. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him and he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. I want to ask a question of the text. What does it mean for Jesus to be moved with pity? What does it mean? for God in flesh, for Jesus, the God-man, the Son of God, to be moved with pity. This word gets translated into the, the word that gets translated in the ESV as pity. It means for, your, your, for a, a bowel movement so deep that it causes you to yearn. Now, not, not that kind of bowel movement that I know that you're thinking about. In the ancient world, the bowels were kind of, the, they talked about the bowels kind of the way that you and I talk about our heart. We talk about our heart is like the center of our, of our emotive being. This is the center of our, of our, of our person. In the, in the ancient world, it's, it was the bowels. And so there's a yearning so deep in his innermost being that he is moved. Something deep is stirred up inside of Jesus about what's happening, about what he's seeing when he looks upon this man, not only this man, but the way in which this man comes to him. Something deep inside of Jesus is stirred up. There's a yearning in him. In fact, some of the earliest, most reliable manuscripts that we have of Mark's gospel, the verb that's given actually is that Jesus was moved to anger. He's actually moved to anger. I want you to think about this. What would Jesus be angry about if this is indeed the best translation? What is he angry about? Is he, is he angry uh, at this man? Certainly no. 
Is he angry that this man interrupts his day as he's, you know, on this kind of moving around, speaking at synagogues, teaching? He's, you know, knocking out demons, and now this leper interrupts him. Is he angry about that? Certainly not. What is Jesus angry about? Let me, let me try and explain what I think for a second. Every one of us in this room is a sinner. We, we, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. None of us have kept God's law. In fact, the Bible says even our best attempts at a righteous life are but filthy rags. Even when we do good things, we do them with selfish, wrong motives. We are all sinners. And there is a lot of pain and struggle and hardship in our life that is a result of our own sin. All right? Like, um, I tell my, we tell our kids this a lot. Uh, uh, obedience leads to life. Okay? Obe- it's good to obey. When you disobey... Things do not go well for you. So obey, children. <laughs> we have this lesson a lot. This is basically what the Bible tells us about obedience. It's good to walk in God's ways. When we, when we disobey, when we sin, sin always leads to death. There's always a consequential nature to sin. So listen to what I'm saying. All of us are sinners. Most of the struggle and pain points in our life are due to the consequential nature of our own sin. That's why we struggle. But hear me for a minute. There are other things in our lives that are not related to our own sin. In other words, we are also sufferers, okay? We are all sinners, and we are also sufferers, meaning that we are sinners living in a fallen world, that some of us have been sinned against in ways that have deeply wounded us. Some of you have been abused. Some of you have been betrayed. Some of you have been harmed by the sins of others, and there is struggle and pain and hardship in your life that is a result of you being wounded, of you being a sufferer. All of us are weak and fragile and can get sick. All of us are uh, at, at the mercy of the next tragedy or disaster to strike. We are sufferers. Are you tracking with me? And there are some people that are out there that will say, Hey, you know, you, things are going bad in your life. Well, you just need to repent your way out of those things. It's because of unbelief. It's because of sin. Let me tell you something. There are some things in your life that you can't repent your way out of, that you need healing. You need Jesus to touch you and to heal you. There are some problems in your life. You can't repent your way out of trauma. You can't repent your way out of heartache. You can't repent your way out of grief. You don't repent your way out of tragedy. You need healing. You need the grace and mercy of Jesus to touch you and heal you. That's what you need. You you can't repent your way out of spiritual attack. You need deliverance from the enemy. Are you tracking with me? So we're all sinners, but we are also sufferers. We are sinned against. We are wounded, weak people. And so let me tell you what I think is happening in the text. I think Jesus sees this man who is certainly a sinner but who has been, um, uh, in many ways, a victim at the hands of sin and death and evil. He is suffering, and his suffering has been compounded, and now he's lonely, and now he's isolated, and now he's marginalized, and Jesus sees the toll that sin and Satan has taken on this world and on image bearers of God whom he loves, and he's angry to the point of compassion. That's what's happening in the text. It's a very similar scene to what happens when Jesus stands before his buddy Lazarus' grave and he weeps. He's deeply moved. It shouldn't be this way. 
People shouldn't die. People that I love. People shouldn't suffer. It shouldn't be this way. People shouldn't be lonely and marginalized and isolated. And he's moved to compassion. He's so deeply moved, in fact, that he does the unthinkable. The text tells us that he reaches out and he touches him. Um, This man is certainly not keeping 50 feet of social distance, but he's certainly not close to Jesus. The text is clear. It implies that Jesus has to move toward him. Jesus moves toward him and he touches him. Jesus could have healed this man in dozens of ways. In fact, we saw this last week. Jesus cast out demons with the very power of his word. We'll see as we keep moving in Mark's gospel that Jesus heals the sick and he raises the dead with the power of his word. Jesus moves toward this man and he touches him. It's beautiful. It's significant. The answer to the leper's cry is clear. Oh, Jesus is willing. He is more than willing. In fact, it's truly impossible for me to explain how shocking, how revolting, how many boundaries it crossed for Jesus to reach out and touch this man. There's nothing more that should be said about this other than it is the divine love of God for sinners and sufferers on display. The divine love of God is on display. You see, this scene, it's not just about Jesus' authority over sickness. It is about his loving and compassionate heart towards stained and suffering people. And it's meant to teach us some things. First of all, if we are the people of Jesus, it ought to teach us some things about how we view those who are stained with sin and suffering in our world. It ought to cause us to think about maybe how we view the marginalized in our world. Do we move toward them with compassion and love? Do we reach out toward them? Or do we keep our distance? It's meant to teach us that there is no risk at all in coming to Jesus with a pure heart and with desperate faith. And so if you are here this morning and you are suffering and you are struggling and you are wounded or you feel weak or you feel entangled in sin, there is no risk at all in moving toward Jesus with desperate and sincere faith. What God has done and what God is doing in the world through Jesus is about offering forgiveness and redemption to sinners and sufferers. That's what Mark is highlighting for us. But there is certainly a cost to it for Jesus. There's a cost to it. We see his love of sinners, and we see his love of sufferers. John tells us that for God so loved the world that he sent his son. The son did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We see his love for sinners and sufferers released in this scene so beautifully, so clearly. But there's a cost. Look back at verses 43 through 45. And Jesus sternly charged him. There, you, you, you can see the, the deepness of the emotion even here in Jesus' response, can't you? It's like, you, you've ever been in a moment like that where you're like, you're so deeply in whatever emotive moment you're in and then you're, you're trying to then like communicate and, you, and you, you just can't, like he sternly charges him. Jesus is so still so moved and, and, and the compassion that he's had on this man and he, he sternly tells him and he sternly charged him and he sent him away at once and he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, which is interesting. 
But go, show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof of them. Now, real quick, Jesus wants him to go and immediately follow the law that was outlined in Leviticus 14. There's very clear instructions in Leviticus 14 what should happen should a leper be healed. Okay? And so he tells him, go follow, follow the law. Jesus does not want this man going out and like going kind of straight to TMZ and telling his story. And then all of a sudden, you know, buzz is spinning and trending. And Jesus is this kind of rogue uh, miracle worker. He's this magic man. Jesus is not interested in that narrative spreading about him at all. Jesus says, go tell the priest. Why? Because he wants them to know who he is. He is the Christ of Israel. He's the one that Leviticus 13 and 14 are anticipating. He's the the savior of Israel, the king of Israel who will rule the nations. Go tell them that you've been healed. Now, this man doesn't do it. Look at verse 45. He went out and he began to talk freely about it. And there's probably another sermon here on evangelism that I could preach, but I won't today. Um, uh, That when you've encountered the transforming, healing, love, and forgiveness, and grace, and mercy of God, you can't help but talk about it. You should talk about it. How could you remain silent? So he begins, he talks freely about it and to spread the news. He's an evangelist. So that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. And this is where we see the cost. There's a cost to the healing love of Jesus. There's a cost to the love of God for sinners and sufferers. Jesus' compassion toward the sinner, the sufferer, cost him. Particularly, the text tells us that it pushed him out to the desolate places, that he's no longer able to enter into the towns, but he's now having to live his life on the margins, that he now has become the outcast, that he's sleeping his nights in the dark, dangerous, uncomfortable, lonely, desolate places. Do, Do you see how from the time that this event began, from where this scene began to where the scene ends, that Jesus has very literally traded places with this man? Do you see that? Do you see it in the text? Do you see how this man has now been brought in through Jesus, and Jesus has now been pushed out on behalf of the leper? And I want you to know that Mark is intentionally highlighting this for us This is just the beginning. He's foreshadowing for us what the love of Jesus would cost him. In fact, it will only intensify from here and get more uncomfortable and costly for Jesus. Eventually, it would cost him his life where he would very literally trade places at the cross with sinners and sufferers like you and me so that forgiveness and redemption and healing could be given to anyone who would come to him confessing faith and boldly approaching him, admitting their need. Jesus would be cast out to the most desolate place imaginable, the grave, so that sinful and stained people could be brought in and truly live. The Bible tells us that he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of Christ. And this is what Mark wants us to see. He's putting the real Jesus right before us, scene by scene, so that we can see him, so that we can see his authority, so that we can see his beauty, most importantly, so we can see how he uses his authority to set people free from the curse of sin and from the power of evil, to make them whole, to give them life. Redeemer family, 
I want to invite you this morning to see the beauty of Jesus. Really see it. It, it, Let's not just see it as like spectators or observers this morning. What, What if we received it? What if we actually really not just see the beauty of Jesus and the healing love of Jesus, but that we would actually receive it this morning? that we would respond to it, that we would come to him, that we would bring our real self and our real needs to him this morning, I want to ask you, do you need forgiveness today? Do you need forgiveness right now? The burden of sin, the shame, the guilt is is heavy upon you. Do you need forgiveness? Are there parts of your life or your heart that need healing this morning? Some of you maybe have some gaping wounds, the suffering that you've endured, the sins that have happened to you, the betrayal, the abuse. Do you need healing this morning? What are your needs that only God can meet? In fact, I want to give us a few moments this morning not to just sit with this text as spectators, but to see Jesus and to respond to Jesus and to turn to Jesus and to receive what he so freely gives to needy people. I want to invite the the worship team. You guys can go ahead and make your way up. I just want to give you some space right where you are to boldly approach the real Jesus, to boldly approach him. I want you to know that I believe that Jesus is here with us, that he is present with us by his spirit right now. The same Jesus that we just read about. He's here with us. He's present with us by his spirit right now. And I believe that the spirit stands ready to pull us up this morning into his presence, to feel his touch, to receive and experience his love. You see, the Bible is crystal clear that God has come near to you, that God is not far off, that God is not distant, that God is not disinterested in your real life this morning, that he's near to you. That he's paid the price for you to access the forgiveness that you need, the healing, the redemption that you need, that he can give you the strength that you need by his spirit and your weakness. And so right where you are, I want to just invite you to hear his love for you. Even if you would just bow your heads for a moment, would you just hear his love for you? right where you are, would you just admit your need for him? Would you confess to him any area of your life where you desperately need him? Like the leper, would you say to him, Lord, if you will, can you blank? Don't hold it back. Lord, if you will, will you blank? Fill, Fill in the blank. Don't hold it back. Lord, will you heal my broken heart? Maybe for you, it's will you restore joy to my life? My life has been so joyless. Restore joy to my life. God, will you free me from deep-rooted patterns of sin that are destroying me or hurting others that I love? Set me free, if you will. Don't hold it back. God, will you change my selfish heart? 
God, will you heal deep wounds that keep me from trusting people and holding myself at a distance? God, will you provide for those who need your provision? Ask him, don't hold it back. Maybe there are some of you this morning that don't know how to pray. Maybe you struggle to find words. And we're gonna have some of our leaders in the back. Yanni will be in the back and Aaron will be in the back. And they would love to pray for you and just advocate for you. Don't be a spectator today. Jesus is real and he loves sinners and sufferers. And he stands ready to pour out his compassion and to lift you up and pull you up into his grace. I want to give you a few more moments. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And I invite you to turn to Jesus. Turn to the compassionate, accessible, approachable Jesus who is moved by the neediness of sinners and strugglers. Let's move toward him. Thanks for listening. If you are looking for info, find our website at RedeemerRR.org or download the Redeemer Round Rock app from the Android or iOS app store.